Welcome to David Tower. Last week we tried to show how extraordinarily expansive the concept of Teshuvah actually is. We discussed that when one goes through the biblical sources, <clears throat> no, I don't allow people, people stand in chorus with things like that. We tried to show that biblically in the Torah itself, we don't find a heavy emphasis on the notion of Teshuvah itself. In fact, you only actually find it in three or four different places. In the entire book of Bereshit, which speaks extensively about issues of sin and transgression, you don't find at all the notion of Teshuvah whatsoever. The word does not even appear. So to the book of Bereshit, Shabbat Vayikam Bereshit, to the country of Bereshit, Perek, here where we found the Rambam saw the source of Teshuvah in a Pasuk Vikbadut Hatatam. Of course, even though the Torah does not emphasize it, one does in fact find a very strong emphasis of Teshuvah in the prophetic works where the Nevi'im themselves emphasize what Teshuvah is all about. And here we find in Yemiah Pedagimah, which we had seen, where Teshuvah is so powerful, Dohelo Ta'aseh. What's the context of that? The Torah itself will tell you to violate a law Ta'aseh in order to bring a person back into Teshuvah. <coughs> but Yemiah Pedagimah, we're not going to go into it again, but it's an extraordinary chapter in Yirmiyahu, where Hashem says, metaphorically, if a man divorces his wife and she goes and marries somebody else, she's not allowed to come back to the first husband. We all know the halakha from Devarim Perek Kavdalet. Clear halakha. You have prostituted yourself with many lovers. And Hashem says, Do Teshuvah. Now, of course, it's a metaphorical concept. What does it really mean? Nevertheless, the Gemara Masechet Yomah uses that concept in order to show that Teshuvah Dohe Lo Ta'aseh. The person Teshuvah, we push away Lo Ta'aseh, which is a very extraordinary concept. Going to the Talmudic realm, we find many striking, strange concepts regarding Teshuvah. For example, which we discussed, Gemara Berachot Davav, Makom Shabbat Teshuvah Amdim, and Tzadikim Gerim Yichonun Amod. Makes no sense to us, it's an absurd concept to us, how could it possibly be that a person who bow to Shuvah is on a higher spiritual level than a Sadiq Gamur? We reject, we resist, we don't like that particular statement. A person Sadiq Gamur deserves to be on top of the line. Why should he be second fiddle? A person who's been a transgressor his whole entire life and then becomes a Ba'at Shuvah. And of course, we all know the simplistic answer. Well, because the Ba'at Shuvah knows what it was like to eat lobster and loved it and he's resisting, so he's on a high level and Sadiq who never even found out about it. But well, the implication of that statement is that we should all become transgressors and become Ba'at Teshuvah. Eat and enjoy your lobster and shrimp, your T-bone steaks, fantastic stuff, and then become Ba'at Teshuvah and you'll be in the highest level. So that Gemara needs explanation as to what it really means. Similarly, he may or may not have. Maybe yes or no. I don't know what he did. Why not? Why not most people have? We don't know that he's tested, not tested. We don't know. Some people who grew up in Borough Park don't have those, doesn't have Yetzara. doesn't have a uh, inclination. At Borough Park. (laughs) Sorry for my example. (laughs) Whatever the case may be, it's just a very strange statement as to the relative merits and the merits of a Baal Teshuvah and a righteous person. Furthermore, of course, you know the Gemara Vesachat we see very striking that we discussed it, that the essence of the Dev Yom Kippur atones with no Teshuvah. 
We're not happy with that statement either. Why should the day itself atone with no teshuvah? Fine. I'll sit my whole entire year and then Yom Kippur comes. I will do no teshuvah whatsoever, but I will transgress in Yom Kippur, but the day itself atones for it. And of course, you know the pasuk, Ki this day atones for you. That's a very striking statement. And I recall it only for the Rambam's view on this particular pasuk, which we'll see in a few moments. Most people reject that opinion in the Gemara itself. They're not happy with it. They want to first do Teshuvah and get forgiven. Do nothing and sin on your Kippur and you're going to be forgiven for that? Just because the day itself atones? Absurd. And as is absurd, the idea of Teshuvah Mi'ira'ah, which we discussed, changes all of your intentional transgressions from intentional transgressions to what? Shigagot. Hashem used them as an accident. You intentionally ate ham and eggs. Hashem says, no, no, you really thought the ham and eggs was kosher. Right? Right. Absurd statement. But I intentionally transgressed. No, Hashem used the, those transgressions as accidental if you did Teshuvah Mi'ir'ah. Oh, you did Teshuvah Mi'ahava. You love God. And because of your love for God, you did Teshuvah Mi'ahava, then all those intentional transgressions, your consumption of lobster and ham and eggs becomes zechayot. It becomes automatically glad kosher stuff. How could you change a past event? Extraordinary statement. Now, the reason that we raise all these statements is because we know that the Rambam, who we are studying tonight, is somebody who was the, one might say, final authority in most things Jewish. I say that with a bit of exaggeration, but not really exaggeration. There are many people who say they go to the Rambam, what the Rambam says is the bottom line. And of course, the Rambam, innovatively as well, in this area as many other areas, brought for us an entire picture of Teshuvah in ten chapters, wherein he gathered, classified, and conceptualized all of those scattered, isolated statements about Teshuvah. Parenthetically, why are they so scattered and so separated from, from any one whole context? The answer is because whenever the Gemara spoke about a transgression, the question could be raised, did they do Teshuvah or not? Did Kain do Teshuvah or not? Did Adam HaRishon do Teshuvah or not? So, wherever the, that context is brought up, the rabbis will raise that question of Teshuvah. So therefore, Teshuvah appears throughout all of Shas. We have many, many contexts, many, many statements, many, many Midrashim, which discuss the issue of Teshuvah. It's all over the place. The Rambam collected, classified, conceptualized all of those isolated statements into a coherent whole into a philosophy of what Teshuvah is all about. Now, think well. The Rambam was the first to include Teshuvah in a halachic work. Not only the first, the only, the only code writer. Teshuvah is the code of Jewish law. He, in fact, included this in his code of Jewish law. The Bishop of Cairo did not. You certainly want to raise the question. Why did the Rambam do so? And why did Abish of Kaido not do so? It's a certainly legitimate question. We're not going to pursue it right now. But the Rambam was one who saw the psychological slash spiritual slash metaphysical concept as not only all of the above, but rather it's an item, a datum of halachic practice as well. Hence, you include it in a work of Jewish law. Clear. Now, of course, Teshuvah itself 
has been dealt with in other kinds of works. For example, Sa'adra Gaon, in his philosophical work, Imrota De'ot, does deal with Teshuvah in his 7th or 8th chapter. And of course, Havot Levavot, the classic work of Musar, philosophical work as well, does deal with Teshuvah in his 7th chapter. It certainly would be illustrative of what these people are all about to analyze their respective concepts of Teshuvah. Your window into a person's soul would be, I would think, what and how he perceives Teshuvah. No rabbinic writer is all-inclusive. Every rabbinic writer selects those statements that he finds to be most important. And then you know a lot about the person. When I ask the people here whether you're happy with this notion of the day itself atones, even though you didn't do Teshuvah on that day, right? And nobody's happy with that opinion it tells you something about yourself. Because it tells me what you see is right or wrong in the world. You're the people that feel person sinned, he should be punished for his transgression, but we're willing to say that if he does the Shuvah, we excuse that punishment. I was of the opinion, no, let the day atone for that person. Let God handle the rest. The day atones. You go through Yom Kippur, no barriers, you merge whole, cleanse. You're going to sin again, perhaps. But I don't want this notion that I've sinned and I can't do Teshuvah because I've done too many sins. It's impossible. It's a wall that I cannot climb to stop a Teshuvah. I would rather every person, every single food, go into the holiday with or without Kavanah, let Teshuvah, and then emerge from it cleansed, a babe in arms, newborn, Tabula Rasa. At that point, now we can begin spiritual life. He may fall again. He will fall again most of the time. So what? I would prefer to see Yom Kippur atone, cleanse, irrespective of the person's intent on Yom Kippur itself. Tells you something about me. Tells you something about you, those who are not happy with that Talmudic statement. The Rambam was not happy with it. Does not quote it the Halakha. Tells you something about the Rambam. Rambam does quote that Atzvosh Yom Kippur Mechaper, the day itself atones, but with what element? With Teshuvah. You must do Teshuvah. As well, there might be people among us, but it's interesting, that Jews have been so trained by their sources that the following conclusion would never occur in Jewish community. What if a person transgresses? Sins. Whatever the case may be. And does Teshuvah. Would a Jew ever say, even though he's done Teshuvah, Still in all, he should be punished. Would you ever say that? For the original transgression? Yeah. In other words, revenge. You've heard in the media, there are people that are out there that have murdered, and they're going to be punished, and people want revenge. Do we as Jews see revenge as a value? The answer is no. But we say the opposite. But what is revenge? Now I'm saying, I'm not defining it as revenge. Do the crime. That's That's revenge. Revenge. No, no. But let's say the person does the shuvah. No, no, no. I'm saying there are people out there who want revenge. That's in the nature of a human oh. being. A person's. I'm talking about a person's daughter was was raped, was mugged, was killed by a person. That person wants revenge. That's the term that they use. It's almost a natural inclination. The person to pay the price, and more so. I recall when... Yeah, you want who was the person who would 
killed many co-eds. Uh, it might have been him. No, he didn't kill anybody. I mean, he killed, but he was in jail. It was crazy. He was, he was, he was, he was killed. This person was killed on Friday morning. People picketed outside the prison, saying, "Yay, hooray! Today's Friday." What is Friday? How do you spell it? Exactly. It's going to be fried today. They're thrilled with the prospect of getting revenge. Jews wouldn't do that. As Jews were trained by our sources, we don't look to revenge. We look to rehabilitation. <laughs> Correct. We look to rehabilitation, not to revenge. We don't believe in revenge as a appropriate human but response. Rehabilitation. I don't know. Agreed. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. We believe in capital punishment as well. well we recognize as a natural uh, human trait. And, correct, but we correct. So we okay. Iranian, etc. Of course, but we try to cover it up. We're saying over here is that we want that person to be rehabilitated. We don't want you to act out of revenge. So we try to have the person escape in order to make sure that it's not a victim of revenge. Now, all the more so, first the sincere teshuva. Okay, and we and we. Question: Would that be revenge or joy of salvation? Number one, number two. We all know the famous midrash that you can't say halal on Pesach because when I talk in Bayam. So my only point over here is that teshuva itself is a very powerful concept, and that it is something which pushes to the side those natural human feelings of revenge because the person says teshuva. Let's forgive him. Is that a Jewish I, concept? I don't, think, I don't think it's a Jewish or not Jewish thing. I think it's a Jewish concept. I said it's a Jewish thing. It's a human thing. Revenge is a human natural inclination. Yeah, I don't think, no. However, don't we think are saying... Jews, and, and Jews do not believe in revenge. Right. I don't, so think, I don't think it's a Jewish we, or a non-Jewish it, thing. The inclination is universal. Some people do, some people don't. I think the inclination is universal. You've been wronged. You want that, see that wrong rectified. And yet, Jewish no. And then what I'm saying is that as a result of our educational process, Behavioral. behaviorally speaking, modification, that Jews will generally say that if a person transgressed, yet does Teshuvah, we accept it. Teshuvah is that powerful of a concept. It's ingrained to us. We, we teach, man wrongs you, comes and asks forgiveness, sincerely, of course, does Teshuvah. We tell you to accept it. If you don't accept it, comes back again, two, three times, bring this rabbi, bring your rabbi, accept, accept, accept. What happens at the end of the day? No, I refuse to accept. You are Akhtari. You're a cruel person. And a man who asked for forgiveness, who wronged you, he's innocent. And you're the bad guy. It depends who he is, what he did. Sincere Teshuvah. Yes, the Ram talks about that issue as well. Let's go on. We'll come back to the... We'll get to the Rambam. Well, the Teshuvah. We accept it. Hashem accepts it. Forget us. Hashem accepts true Teshuvah. Right now, it's Jews, per se. But I don't see any reason why it should be any different with non-Jews. Uh, in the, in the, in the war, there were terrible people out there. What war? Yeah, the, the, the Second war. World War. So? Okay, agreed. If there's, you, if there's you, true Teshuvah, do we forgive? Those, all those Germans, you can forgive them, can you? If there's true Teshuvah... They made true Teshuvah. The guy smashed 20 uh, baby skulls on the, against the wall. And he... Well, and we, we have really to first... Back, we have to really first it. define what true Teshuvah is all about. Harambam defines true teshuva, and then the interesting question would be: Does God yeah, forgive that? Does God forgive? Does, does God accept His teshuva? No what do you think God does in His infinite compassion? 
You cannot say God's own because our, God Himself says it. If God says, I can't, that all transaction, I'm infinitely compassionate, presumably God accepts the Shuvah. How about, when I care, Lord, and I care? To whom? To the Shaim. That's not the Shuvah. We're talking about people who do true to Shuvah. The Yad Rasha wants to do true to Shuvah. That's the issue. God has accepted the Shuvah of who? In Ninveh. Sitting in Ninveh, city full of pagans. And their Teshuvah was an extraordinarily superficial Teshuvah. Yet God says to Yonah, how could you not have compassion upon those people? It's a large city. They did Teshuvah. They tried to do Teshuvah. Whatever they were all about. And you're telling me not to accept it? And Yonah says, I don't want to accept it. He knows what's going to be. Okay, whatever the case may be. God says, I'm going to accept it. So even to non-Jews, of course, God is Rahman and accepts their Teshuvah as well. So let's go on. So, the Rambam sees Teshuvah as a datum of halakhic behavior and therefore has to be included in a code of Jewish law. And the Rambam gives us a very clear definition as to what Teshuvah is all about and in fact expands upon this whole entire notion of Teshuvah. Expands on it extraordinarily so. Now, we're not going to raise the question as to the root of Teshuvah, the Mitzvah Aser, where it comes from. We discussed it last week. We're not going to speak about the Ramban's view of this either. Ramban has a couple of different Pasuk. And one could raise the question as to why the Ram has one Pasuk, Ramban another Pasuk. Certainly a serious discussion. And it tells us a lot about what each one thinks about Teshuvah. The Ramban's, Ramban's root verse emphasizes Vidvadu. There must be a verbalization of the transgression. Ramban does not seem to need a vidui divarim. His pasuk, divarim perek lamed, veshav, the Jewish people will do teshuvah, which seems more like a promise or a hope, certainly not a commandment, which is probably the reason why the Ramban rejected it. But the Ramban completely different idea and concept as to what teshuvah is all about. Sorry? Counterpart to keep the lead. Yes, 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 yes. The key, an, an if or, or when. Right. Yeah, either way. But either way, it's not a source of the mitzvah. The Ramban sees that as a source of the mitzvah. The Ram does not. And the truth is that both are on pretty shaky grounds as to what the pasuk is for teshuvah, which is what makes which just emphasizes the point that I mentioned before, which is biblical. Five books of Moses don't emphasize Teshuvah as a religious category, even though the rabbis themselves do. Rabbis, it's one of the seven pillars upon which the world is built. Teshuvah, Mashiach, Zekavod, Avod, seven critically important ideas to the world. But it is a critically important idea. Of course it is. In the five books, it is a critically important idea. Where do you see it? Because even in those passages, even though it's mentioned the way it's mentioned in, in my way. You will return. Agreed. Agreed. Good point. It so, it's mainly in Devarim. It's only in Devarim. Right. Which somebody pointed out, interestingly enough, that Devarim is Surat Moshe. Devarim is the words of Moshe. Why would we not find that in the first four books, which is Devar Hashem? Which is a, a very 
insightful and striking concept. I didn't check the Tukhecha in Vayikra. In the Varim we have it, but we should check all sources to make sure that insight is correct, which we didn't do, but it's an interesting issue. Okay, now, with the Ramam over here saying that let's define Teshuvah, four-step process, Harata, regret. You must have regret for your past deed. Vidui, must have a verbalization of your transgression. Kabbalah Hatid, you must be confident enough in your own self that you can swear that you will not do this deed again. And the fourth part of Shuvah is that the situation arises and you are in the same bodily health that you can commit that transgression and you choose not to do so, you're about to Shuvah. This is Shuvah Gimura, Mi'ullah, the best. If you're 88 years old and you see the same girl that you saw when you were 22 that you transgressed with and you can't have the you don't have the strength any longer to do what you're going to do what you did then, it's Teshuvah, but certainly not Mi'ullah. Because you weren't tested in the fire of passion. What the Ramam has done, he's halachicized a philosophical, psychological, metaphysical concept. Is he drawing from any other sources? Yes. The Rambam is extraordinary in that he will take all of Talmudic material, reshape, refashion, and exclude as well. He excludes the notion of Atmosh Yom Kippur Mechapet. It's not out. It's excluded. He excludes the notion of his transgression of change to meritorious deeds. The transgression of change to Shigavot. He excludes all that. He doesn't buy all that. And he will seamlessly, without telling you, include other ideas and thoughts of his own. Either by virtue of tying together two disparate ideas or simply innovating a new idea. And one of the challenges of any Maimonidean student is to see what is Talmudic and what is innovative, what is new in the Rambam himself. Now, again, one to take... A rationalist method. Absolutely. Completely all the way. Yeah, is the Rambam over here. Now, again, let me emphasize that whereas Harambam will often take a mitzvah aser, whatever it may be, and trying to find the spiritual and ethical aspects of it, he will spiritualize and ethicize mitzvah aser, over here, he's doing the opposite. Here he's taking a philosophical, psychological, metaphysical concept, as you will see, and he is halachicizing it. He's putting it into concrete halachic categories, and therefore includes it not only simply in Mishneh Torah, but rather where? Placing, important for the Rambam, in the very first book of Madat, book of knowledge, which means this is an essential, critical variable in the overall Jewish view of things. Good. Now, let's look at the ten chapters of the Rambam very quickly because we do want you to get a sense of the overall picture. We started it last week as to what is Teshuvah and then we want to then focus in on one of the I think more interesting and more controversial areas of Teshuvah. Chapter 1 talks about how wonderful Teshuvah is. We do it Devarim. Everybody has it. Yes? Hilchot Teshuvah. Then tell us about certain transgressions that are atoned for immediately when you do Teshuvah. And certain transgressions are only atoned for after a time period. Means that your Teshuvah is only Toleh. 
it's waiting. And then Yom Kippur comes. And for certain transgressions, Teshuvah, Kippur are still waiting until for certain transgressions there needs to be Yesurim, affliction. Here, your first question is, where do I get this from, idea from? So it gets from the Gemara itself. Gemara says makes this point that there has to be afflictions before you can achieve atonement. That would be the wrong word. God, Attribution. What's the right word? Penalty. A punishment to teach, part of rehabilitation, is afflictions. Well, let's not, but my point is not to... Yeah, so I don't want to... But something, you should raise these questions. And as you go through the Ramams, think about them. Right? As well, certain transgressions, I murdered. I've done the tshuva. Does that mean I'm forgiven? Yes. Does it mean that I will pay no price? No. Retribution. Not revenge. Retribution. What does that mean? It means Shuva, Yom Kippur, Yisrim Tolim, Ad Shemitachomechaperet. He needs death. A person to achieve final atonement needs death. Why that is is an important question that one should raise as we go along. But let's leave it for now. Second chapter. What is Teshuvah? Gemura. Mahi. What is full Teshuvah? You want to know that. The Ezra's in mind, is there a time period when Teshuvah is immediately acceptable to Hashem? The answer is yes. What is the answer to that question? When is Teshuvah immediately acceptable? I think it's for individuals. However, for a Tzibur, Teshuvah is always acceptable to Hashem. If you're a community who's doing Teshuvah, or you're doing Teshuvah as part of a community, your Teshuvah is always acceptable to Hashem any time of the year. Yahid Right? There should be a, and he has a pasuk for this. The Rabbi will use pasukim in an interesting fashion. We know the difference between Peshat and Darash. The Rabbi will use pasukim from Mikra, from Nevi'im, from Ketuvim in a fashion that he suits, that suits his, pers- his purpose. So, in this particular case, he's going to make the point, according to pasuk, that your Teshuvah collectively is always acceptable. As you know that, quote pasuk, and individually, it's during Asi Emet Shuvah. Right? Good. Some transgressions you must publicize when you do Teshuvah, others you do not have to publicize. And then it tells us how to ask forgiveness from your friend, and what happens if your friend refuses to grant you forgiveness, or part of the Shuvah process. Third chapter. Who is called a righteous person? Who is called an evil person? Who is called a Benoni? Benoni means not middle of the road guy. Somebody whose transgressions and meritorious deeds are perfectly balanced. You're Benoni. You should not know what it means. I don't know if anyone knows what it means. It's a very There's interesting. That you are going into the... Right, Benoni. It's a, I would suggest. That it's a psychological term, psychological slash pedagogical concept. If you were to think that the scales are perfectly balanced for yourself. for yourself, then of course you're going to go one step further in order to achieve atonement. And if you don't have it, what would be the arts and crafts project that kids would do in elementary school if they didn't have the scales? <laughs> to, I mean, it's a very important item. I think it is. I think it is an important item. In fact, next class we'll do it. 
It puts in front of you graphically something that concept that might be abstract. Exactly. And I think it makes it, it works. Not only for children, for adults. For adults as well. He's always on the right way. <laughs> Next comes, of course, the question. Well, you tell me what question is. Well, and then tells you about the Kiyat Shofar. Right? So what's your immediate question? Why is it, what's it doing here? Exactly. What's it doing over here? So what's the answer? Why did the Raman put the Kiyat Shofar, which is clearly a halakhic issue that one must blow Shofar no Shana, right? And you have a halakhot for that. The Rambam has transposed this to this context. So what's the reason for it? So the answer is, Uru, let me, wake up, right, this is going to waken you to do teshuva. That would be the idea over here. That the teshuva, the shu- because he's going, it, because, because he just finished speaking about Rasha, and now he wants to know what's the purpose of Shofar? To wake the Rasha up to do teshuva. Right? So, it makes sense in this context. Even though he's not willing to give this to Amram Mitzvah. He's going to say, this is, a it's a biblical decree. I'm not going to say this is the Amram Mitzvah. I won't say that over here. But rather, I will guess at and say that this is the purpose is that's Uru Yishinim. Again, this is Gemara Shana. Now, then he puts in strikingly, So then you want to raise the question. Gentiles, non-Jews, have a portion of the world to come. And of course, what's the connecting link over here? Even a non-Jew can achieve salvation, eternal bliss, if they have not transgressed. Then, who doesn't get a portion of the world to come? The heretics, the sectarians, the epicureans. Right? Those last three categories. The Rambam has really, right now before our eyes, expanded the whole discussion of Teshuvah into a eschatological issue, eschatological doctrine of final ends, Yimotam Mashiach, Olam Haba, etc. Right? So you could raise the question: If I lived my whole life as a heretic, do I can I do Teshuvah and get salvation? So Rambam must talk about the heretics and see whether or not they can do Teshuvah and achieve Olam Haba, because Teshuvah is not simply only a psychological category and it's also not simply an issue of I want atonement but it's also an issue of sachar reward what's my reward for doing teshuva who's the heretic you're speaking about his he Did gives he a whole he list he gives a whole list well sure a whole list he was yeah co- well the corporealist for sure one is tempted to say he's talking about the Karaites as well but we don't see the Rambam as angry or venomous against the Karaites, as was, for example, Sa'aja Ga'on. But around this time, they're living comfortably in Egypt. It's not an issue. We work together. So I don't think he has the Karaites over here. He does make reference to them in Chum Amrim, I think it is, but not over here. Okay, good. So, fourth chapter. What each category is. Yeah. The Kaporias, the physicalists. You deny this, you deny that, you deny... There are many. There was a person who denies the biblical origin of the Torah. There was a first person called, a very famous guy called Hewi Habalki. Nobody knows whether he was Jew, non-Jew, Christian, Muslim, whoever he was. And he raised terribly incisive questions against Torah Moshe, predating Spinoza. Remember, Spinoza, of course, was a Jew of the 17th century who was ultimately excommunicated, but he, in his uh, political treatise, which is all about Torah Moshe, he raises 
very sharp questions that biblical critics raised 200 years later and says you can't believe in the mosaic authorship of this book because, and he ran some against the Rambam also because it doesn't all make sense you have different stories you have contradictions in the stories every place things that we've talked about on the biblical level you have many things like that so therefore from his point of view he was the first biblical critic in that sense and came up with a whole different philosophy of religion because of that Spinoza okay but part of his issue is that um, what the Bible is all about Hillel Bukhi says the same thing and the Rama may have had access to his questions he asked 26 or 36 questions against the Torah itself of contradictions and things that he could not believe in okay good 24 items in chapter 4 that prevent Teshuvah these 24 things make it difficult to do Teshuvah Eli raises this in one of the classes that Teshuvah is absolute ultimately you can do so based on what concept chapter 5 free will obviously and note again how the concept of Teshuvah is expanded that free will is in your hands no matter who you are or what you are in order to do Teshuvah to choose your pathway in life this is, of course, critically important for the Rambam. What's your next issue? How do I have free will if Hashem, knows. if Hashem knows all that I am going to do? Hashem knows that I will put on Tifling tomorrow morning. Can I therefore not put on Tifling tomorrow morning? Of course not. God's knowledge does not cause. This is one of the great philosophical questions that is dealt with in all the... Well, the Rambam is against predeterminism and against Calvinism, though he predated it. Yes, he's he's against that. The Rambam will. There is a, yes, here, right here, right here. Hashem's concept of time is different than ours. It'd be a of time. So I'd, each one of the philosophers have a different concept over here. So I just say that knowledge not does not imply causation. Same way that if you're watching two armies battle, you know it's going to win the battle. In fact, you're watching it, you know that there's three guys over here and there's 300,000 guys over here. You know it's going to win this battle, but your knowledge of it is not going to cause what's going to happen. Or as others so have put it... That's how to explain the... Saja. All that, uh, that's Saja. With the fooling of the attack and all that was because she knew this was going to happen. There are, those, that there are those apologists who do answer it that way, but I'm not one of them. <laughs> Similarly, they say that if you were to watch a movie for the second time, you know what's going to happen. Are you causing what's going to happen? No. So therefore, the implication of here is that God's knowledge does not cause the event. That has problems with that. That formulation has problems with it. The Ram's answer is God's knowledge is a different type of knowledge. We know through a, we are we know through externals. Ram's knowledge is not based on time. It's not known through externals. God is the knower known all in one. Not to worry about it right now, but the Ram does deal with that particular issue of free will because it's part of Shuvah. Sixth chapter. But you have many verses. Here the Rambam is concerned about all those verses which shows that man does not have free will. Give me the most famous. But there are multiple verses like this. He does not deal with this issue in Moreh Nebuchim. That's correct. Only if you have the wrong premises to what Moreh Nebuchim is all about, which apparently you do. <laughs> We've said before that Moshe Torah is not simply called Jewish law, but rather Moshe Torah is a Moshe Torah is a book that is all inclusive. That it's so all inclusive that the Rambam says you don't need any other book if you have this book. You have Mikra, you have the Torah, 
and your Moshe Torah is all you need in life. So therefore, it must include all those issues, all those concepts that a Jew needs on a daily basis. Right? So, you need to know about it. It's over here. So, the answer to that question is that he deals with it over here, not over there. Good. So, chapter 6 is going to explain all the Sukim whose simple meaning is that a man is predetermined. Mukhrach Masaf. Seven. Hitanagut Adam Bashva. How does a person's Bashva behavior act? And how great the Shiva is again? Eight. The ultimate reward of the righteous and the ultimate punishment of the evil people of the Olam Haba. Is there a physical body in Olam Haba? Or is there a chilash diachadomeh? Yes, yeah, we're going to look at this in a few minutes. Chapter 8, which is an extraordinarily interesting chapter, because around this chapter, the Ramam's books were burnt. Because of this chapter, we'll look at it, most we don't get to it, but we'll look at it. Because of this chapter, the Ramam's books were burnt. If you look at, we'll look at the Avad also. This is a wonderful edition of the Rambam. It has a great commentary on it. It's clear, it's simple, straightforward. The commentary is a very, very good commentary. However, it doesn't have the Kisan Mishnah. Why are you assuming that? They may be omniscient. Are you omniscient? They may be omniscient. We're talking about the Rambam Ma'am edition. It's $124 for a set of 14 books. It's a wonderful set to have. So I recommend it highly, especially to... Um, it's a great set to give a Bar kid because it's really readable it's really understandable to any Flavish graduate it's great commentary but of course you don't have the commentaries Kisav of Mishneh which you want to have and the Ravad you want to have the Ravad of course was a contem- older contemporary of the Rambam who was mystically inclined Kabbalistically inclined mystically inclined who challenged acerbically much of what the Rambam says as part of being Jewishly literate level 2 there's just a little level one. I've pointed it out before. Level two is to know that Avad's critique of the Rambam, the Chotoshuva, chapter three, which is what? Are we just level two? Not yet. We should get there. Which is, the Rambam says, back to Jack's point, that anybody that believes God is physical is a heretic. You're at Pikoros. And then Avad says, Yes, Gedolim Mimenu. There are people greater than this young upstart. Now, he wasn't young at the time he wrote Mr. Turan. He was uh, 40 years old. Uh, he wrote it between 1160 and 1170. Started a little bit earlier. But the Who is he referring to? Greater people than him who believed God was corporeal, physical, based on Pesukea Turan and Midrashim. Rabbi did, but others did. And it's been a search throughout Jewish history to find out who are these people that believe God was physical. It's, to us, it's abhorrent. But no, there were great righteous people who believed that God was physical and the Ramam saying they have no Hezqalam They're consigned to the dustbins of Gehinam. Right? Well, actually not Gehinam. Physically, as the Ramam will tell you in chapter 7. But they are consigned to that. So the Ravad attacks the Ramam, this famous Ravad, attacks the Ramam. So too in, eight, in, in chapter 8, the Ravad will attack the Rambam's concept of Olam Haba. What does Olam Haba really mean? And actually, what other issue is missing from this story over here? The doctrine of physical resurrection of the dead. The Ram does not... You will see it in a few moments. Don't go away. I will bring it back. I'm going to do this chapter. Similar to the issue of physical resurrection of the dead. Does the Torah speak about physical resurrection of the dead? Any place? Certainly not. Nevi'im, certainly not. Jesus, certainly not. Pasuk Daniel, chapter 12. But Abim... 
Abraham of the Olam. Many of the dead will shall physically resurrect. What is this all about? The Sifriya on the Pasuk in Hazinu says that every single Pasuk in Torah talks about resurrection. Resurrection. It's a big issue in the rabbinic period. Not really in the biblical period. Because they needed to have this belief in physical resurrection. What's the Rambam's view of resurrection? Physical resurrection. Spiritual resurrection, we all agree. Physical resurrection. It's a very striking concept. So the Rambam does not mention it over here and he's condemned for it, for it and people want to burn his books for it. Hence the Rambam in 1191, which is when he became the head of Egypt, Ras al-Yahud is called, and 15 years before he dies, in 1204, he writes a work called Mamat Chet where he's going to speak about physical resurrection. It's one of the most artfully written books in Jewish history, depending upon your interpretation of the book. Artfully. And since, since we're on tape, I will not answer the question. Okay. One second. Welcome back. The water being saved, <laughs> right. Well, it's not my fault. It's, you said that one recorded. Chapter 9 speaks about those Pesukim. Those Pesukim which seem to indicate, again, Pesukim that challenge, that question, a philosophical concept. Here you see the Ramam as a Parshan. Ramam is concerned about you reading Pesukim and getting the wrong idea about what all this is about. Therefore, he has an obligation of interpreting all of these Pesukim. Now, one of the most glorious and grandest chapters in all of rabbinic literature is the 10th chapter of Teshuvah, the culminating chapter of Teshuvah, which talks about Avodat Hashem, Avodat Hashem, Yirat Hashem. Right? It's one that, again, every literate Jew, chapter level 2, should have read, should know about. What is the true worship of God what does Ahavat Hashem mean? What does Hashem mean? Does worship of God mean what you do for God or what you do for the world? What does it really mean? All that over here. And then it goes into all other issues as to how to train people, children, all that about Ahavat Hashem and Yerat Hashem. That's a Chot okay. So, So you see how incredibly comprehensive it is, how challenging it is, how many are the questions that it actually raises. Let me just at least begin the seventh, the eighth chapter. Yeah. Eighth chapter? It's one page. It's eighth chapter. You should have, everybody has it? Yeah, you have, you have it. Okay. Eighth chapter, Choteshuva. Obviously, he's gone way beyond the narrow confines of Teshuva itself. And here he wants to talk about the reward and punishment. 
Why is he talking about reward and punishment? Because it's almost a motivating factor to, to do teshuvah. If you know what's, insta- what's at stake and you know what's at the end of the road, you want to do, to do teshuvah. But that's not the whole entire story. We have to go throughout this entire chapter to see what the whole picture of teshuvah is. Now, the great good that is in store for the righteous people is the world to come. Now remember, the Ramam chooses words very carefully. Abai is the world to come. What does the world to come mean? Two possible explanations that have been given throughout Jewish history. One is the world to come which is not here now and it will come. And therefore, what? As we, as Mashiach, right. We lost that's the end of the tape. No, turn over. Okay. Good. As the world to come. What did I got? As the world to come as the Yivot Mashiach, Physical resurrection and at Olam Haba. Alternatively, what the Ram says it is, the world to come exists right now. It's here and now. But it's to come after life. Practical result. Is Abraham Zakyakov Moshe and Shlomo? Are they lying in the ground in a state of compose waiting anticipating for Mashiach to come or they're in Olam Haba right now Raman would say they're in Olam Haba right now metaphysically 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 right so Olam for the Raman does not mean that which is going to come chronologically down the road rather it means that which is here now but the world that's going to follow death and this is a life that there's no death with it. That Tovash and it's a pure goodness, there's nothing negative about it. Torah says, the is Very important Pasuk. Why is it very important Pasuk? What kind does it appear? Kansi poor. Why is it so important? Because the Gemara Hadiyah tells us that this is the issue that Ishab and Abuya had seen a child sent by his father up the tree, send away the bird, bring the eggs down, he falls down and he dies. So Ishab and asked the question, where is Arichut Yamin? Therefore, Ishab and Abiyah concludes, there's no, just no judgment. And therefore, he becomes a heretic. He tears himself to the Jewish people, becomes an informer, and becomes a heretic to the Jewish people. And what did he not know? He tells that he didn't know that this passage was referring to Olam Shekulot Tov, Olam Aruch, which is what? Olam Haba. Pasuk is not referring to Olam Hazeh, rather it's referring to Olam Haba. So had he known that, he would not have become heretic. And he goes, the Ram quotes his Gemara. He tells us, The righteous reward is, she is cool, they will merit. And, take note of this, Peter on. The punishment for the evil peoples, they will not merit this great, wonderful life, but rather they will be cut off and they will die. Therefore, question, is there an eternal punishment in Gehinam? Or any Gehinam? Rambam does not mention it. It seems that the Rambam, there's no such thing as Gehinam. We'll continue next week. Thank you.